1: Welcome everyone to another edition of AEW Unrestricted Brought to you by AEW Casino Game And I'm you Hell sh- yeah ha- Hell yeah, the one you hear cussing always is uh, Aubrey <laughs> Edwards
0: Is hell actually a cuss word? I think it's kind of like moved into the, the form of Uh, speech that it's totally fine now like if a six-year-old said it i'd be okay with it
1: right i I get that so
0: (laughs) as tony mentioned we're sponsored by aew casino one of the new games from aew games it's available on the ios app store the google play store there's a bunch of casino games in one single app you can download it play with your friends you can play with me and i can take all your money uh, so click on the link in the YouTube description or type it into your phone. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, please play it. It's fun.
1: Yeah, we are. You, you probably, when you uh, downloaded this podcast or listened to it, you thought, man, that's cool music. It is. Uh, intro. And the reason it is, is because of the gentleman who's with us, AEW's maestro himself, the one and only Mikey Ruckus. Hey, bud.
0: Hell yeah. Hey,
1: guys. How are you? We're we're doing great, good. man.
0: You? So good to have you here.
1: Yeah, it's great. We're gonna ask you about your inspiration for all of this. But let's talk uh let's first talk about uh the creation of our AEW unrestricted theme. What what came up to mind when you were creating that?
2: Uh just something hard hitting. Uh Stacy had hit me up and said, Hey, we need a theme song. Can you put something together, make it some hard rock kind of stuff and go with it? And I just you know, rhythms and riffs are something that just kind of come to me. Uh, I always try to go with the timing as to how, you know, how much time we have uh, before the show actually opens. So then I think about how much I want to get in that that time frame before we transition. So I like to tell stories in that way, uh, depending on tempo, rhythm, riffs, and stuff like that. And it just kind of came to me. I fooled around with it a little bit. And I guess about 24 hours later, I sent her something and Stacy was kind of like, oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> So now we were off and running.
0: I like that Mikey basically did the uh, musician equivalent of a wrestler's get your shit in. I only have a certain amount of time and I have to get everything in. (laughs) (laughs) One of the other things that you're responsible for is uh, some of the music in Elite General Manager, the game I've been working on. And I was super pumped about this because I know you and I early on had talked and you had said you were super interested in working on video game music and this is something that you hadn't done yet. And I was like, dude, we got you. Like we'll make it work, we'll make it happen. And so far, like all of the trailers have featured your music. Uh, We're going to be entering an alpha soon and all of your stuff's going to be listened to by a bunch of people. Uh, How do you feel about all that?
2: It's honestly, it's it's a dream come true. It's something that I've always wanted to do. I can remember being like 10, 11 years old and drawing out an entire map of a platform game on notebook paper. And then with each scene, I was kind of Telling myself and creating the different types of music that would be for each stage. And uh, I wasn't even really into writing music back then. I just knew it was something that I wanted to incorporate. Um, I was a huge fan of Konami's music for the Nintendo platform. And it was something that always stuck with me. And even from way back when, That's I kind of started getting that feeling for just that gaming aspect and, and the storytelling so when this came about, I, you know, I had come to you and I said, I've really this is something that I've been trying to break into for quite a while. I would love the opportunity. And it was kind of like a hell yeah. And we just kind of put it together. And it's just hearing it back. Uh, it, it was it was kind of a moment of pause, like, wow, this is this is really happening. And, and AEW has given me so many of those moments in the last two years. It's, it's kind of really hard to believe that it's still happening.
1: Uh, there's so many uh, the, uh, theme music uh, entrance musics that we want to talk about, but but I wanted to break away from that for just a second, Mikey, and talk about uh, your equipment in your studio because I'm I'm really interested in in that uh, what all that you have at home at your disposal. You're probably talking. You're probably going to mention things that we don't understand, but uh, so, but go <laughs> ahead. It's
2: actually it's a lot simpler than than some people would think. Um, you know, I, have, I had somebody put a computer together for me. I have, I have my guy in the chair, uh, kind of like what Peter Parker would say. He's got his guy in the chair, and Ned. Um, I have my guy in the chair. When I left retail and transitioned full-time for AEW, uh, I went to a tech guy, and I said, I need you to tell me what I need. And uh, so he just kind of gave me a list. He was like, all right, if, this is, if you're going to do this, this is how we do it. So he built me a monster computer, uh, PC, desktop PC, my kids can't stand it because I eat up all the bandwidth in the house. Uh, but that's just, yeah, that, that's done by design. So um, <laughs> I use, uh, I have Pro Tools. I use Studio One just because uh, my learning curve and my ADHD don't really lend to sitting for a very long period of time trying to learn tech stuff. It, right. it has to happen. It has to just kind of flow. And uh, Studio One was the, the digital audio workstation that really flowed for me. It was very intuitive um, I have Native Instruments Machine, where I run a lot of my beats through. I have about six terabytes of sound banks that I can refer to. Uh, I have an electronic drum set uh, to my right that my stepson purchased for me for Christmas this past year. And I was actually stunned. I, I, I was shocked that my kids had spent that much money on me. And I, I was really apprehensive about it at first. But it's like, hey, like I want you to have this. So I, I have that at my disposal. I have my trusty Ibanez guitar. Seven string. I've had this one for about eight or nine years. It's been on stage with me. It's been in the studio with me. Uh, I've banged out the national anthem in front of fifteen thousand people with it, and wow. I use it every single day here in the studio. It's it's my workhorse. Uh, and then I have another Ibanez bass, five string bass. It's another workhorse. I don't try to dig too high into the the high numbers. I try to be I try to be very conscious cost wise in terms of what I get. And I love the quality of those workhorse instruments that are just there day in and day out. So it's not all about flash for me. It's about performance and production. And uh, I really love the feel of what I have. And I just kind of go with it, man. Every single day I I get in, I turn on, I turn on my equipment and I paint.
0: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely incredible. There's like, there's a bunch of words you said there that I have no idea what they mean, which means (laughs) I absolutely respect uh, you and your craft. I already have, but now I have even more respect for you. So one of the things that I find fascinating about your job is you find out about all these secrets before everyone else does like sting coming to AEW, right? Because now you have this immense amount of pressure to create a very iconic Uh, entrance theme for someone who is literally called the icon talk about what that process is like and when you're sort of looped in on that
2: sure so it it varies from time to time there have been times where I just kind of found out in passing uh, when we were working on the first double or nothing uh, I got a text message I want to say probably from Keith Mitchell it says hey you're you're putting that Brett music together right I was like Brett what like what are you talking about He's like, yeah, we got Bret Hart. We need some music. And that was my first oh shit moment. You know, and I hadn't even joined the company full time yet. We were just still in the midst of talking and I got that call and I was like, this is really happening. Like this, Bret Hart. <laughs> so that was the first one. And then a couple of times, a couple of other times, it was like the night before a show. Like uh, Tony would call me like the night before All Out and says Matt Seidel coming in. So we need something for a high flyer. So Sometimes that that comes into like an overnight kind of work thing or like an early get up early in the morning uh, with Sting in particular. We had a little bit of time. Uh, I was texting. I was texting Tony about something. and I don't even remember what it was. He just said, um, hey, I have a project that I'm working on that that you can get started on if you like. And I was like, hit me. And he said, Sting. And I just kind of stopped. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh when do we when do we need this he was and this was before thanksgiving oh
0: so you had a little bit of time you had a little bit of yeah, time yeah. on that one
2: yeah so i had i actually had time to to panic uh because normally i don't have time to panic and that's that's really that's really what it was like a panic set in that's the first time that's ever happened uh because over the last several years every interview that i had ever done somebody said if there was one person you can make An entrance theme for who would it be and i would say sting all the time sting 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 so when he texted me sting i was like it's time for me to keep my mouth shut and just figure something out here and you know i I went into the search of you know and i've i've watched sting ever since i was you know 10 years old 10 11 years old and uh i went back and started looking at uh the different themes that he had had from the different promotions and uh Tony was very specific that he wanted to re- reignite the, the crow, the crow style, the crow theme, and the gimmick, and everything like that. So I wanted to be able to create something that touched on the essence of that story, but cr- it started a new chapter, and I wanted it to be something that stood on its own. And it just, I had a couple of days to think it over over the Thanksgiving weekend. I thought we weren't going to be needing it until maybe. Uh, the 9th of December or or later than that. And then I got told, Hey, this is happening like at the beginning of December. So we need to get on it. I was like, Oh, here we go. And I just, I went into it right after that. And once you start creating, I I've learned to kind of not second guess myself. It's all about decision-making. And if you second guess every single thing you do, it takes you forever. And we don't have forever in this business. We have time constraints, it's TV it's 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 something that has to be produced and it has to you have to produce results. So I went with it. Uh, we did a couple of edits and a couple of different remixes, but I wanted to I wanted to have that essence of the crow. I wanted to have the essence of Game of Thrones since we were doing winter is coming and just kind of incorporate it and take it to a level that I hadn't done with any of the other themes previously. And I'm gonna I'm blaming Tony Shivani for this 100% when Sting walked out, And I heard the music play, and Tony said, "It's Sting." I cried. I sat in my chair, silent, and I had tear. And I'm shaking from head to toe. And it's all Tony's fault. (laughs) He did that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, bringing out the emotion. I wasn't so sure that it would do that because I told Tony Khan. I said, "You know, I'm old now. My voice cracks. It doesn't (laughs) do what it used to do." But. so thank you for that, man. That means a lot. You you said something, uh, when you were talking earlier that that really rang true with me. And that's you said, uh, uh ADHD, uh, w- which I have as well. And uh, I I I just I may be wrong. I think it's it's part of being creative. Does that make sense to you?
2: I I think it is, and yeah. it's it's funny because so many people. They don't know how to harness. They don't know how to harness it. Right. Some, you know, even young kids. Sometimes they're suppressed. I think their creativity is suppressed with uh, with the medication. And I, you know, I don't want to get into a whole thing about meds and stuff like that. I didn't realize that I had had it until later, later on in life. Me too. When some of my yeah. kids had it, and you know, my my third son had a plethora of things going on. Uh, he had ADHD. He had. Uh, opposition deficit disorder where somebody would tell somebody of authority would tell him to do something and he he just had this compulsion to do the exact opposite so once (laughs) i started going into therapy sessions with him i started thinking about all those times when i was coming up you know when i tried to focus on something and and there were times where my brain would shut down so you kind of learn you learn over time how to how to harness it right use it as a weapon it helps with multitasking but sure a- again, there are, there are good days and there are bad days. I mean, there are days where I can't even formulate a single thought. It's almost like you're putting together this one million piece puzzle in your mind and you're going to reach for a piece. And before you grab that piece, you see another piece and you grab that one instead. Right. But right. instead of grabbing that one, you see another one. So it, it has a tendency to to do that sometimes where it and I have this thing where I, I have to I shut down. So I've learned some self-coping skills with that. Like I'll go to the batting cage. Um, I'll take some swings like I used to when I was a teenager. That kind of settles me in. I'll go to the gym or I'll just kind of walk away and do nothing and just kind of just stop for a few minutes. But nine times out of 10, you know, on a good day, it helps me with the multitasking. So it's just, it's a process.
1: Let me inject something uh, here uh, before you go to the next question, Aubrey. When you're a parent of uh, children who have it, there's a lot of people who have said, "Oh, it's not real. It's a thing that was made up. Bullshit. It's real." And then you get diagnosed yourself. You you understand what it is, and it's not always a curse. It's a lot of times it's a blessing, like you said, and it it helps you out on many things. But uh, I understand where you're coming from on that, Aubrey. I
2: agree. And 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 the funny thing is is that it's it's hard not to get emotional talking about it because a lot of times somebody can be sitting completely still, and you have no idea how their mind is, is bouncing and racing. And there's times where I'm sitting and literally my head is spinning and nobody knows. And I know that that's to be a child and to have to go through something like that. It's tough. It's tough. And, uh, you know, I would love to see, you know, maybe one day down the road, we develop some sort of a thing where we help, uh, develop self-coping skills. That's always been my thing with music grids when it comes to programming, The grids that I work with, a lot of times I don't play live drums even though I have electronic drum kits. I have a grid and I do a click, I mouse click. Little grids, dots on the grid, and I create drum patterns that way. It actually helps me to not only see it, but it helps me to concentrate. And it's literally Butcher and Blade theme, for example. Like the full theme of that, that drum kit is one of the most technical pieces I ever did. And it's literally I clicked and did a click mouse for the entire song Drums, the the snare drum, the kick bass, the the cymbals, the toms, everything And uh, that's just kind of, that's my process And that's what I've kind of come to learn to to self-cope
0: Man, Mikey Ruckus ADHD, a billion children, amazing (laughs) (laughs) musician Legit, shoot, you have like eight kids and three grandkids And you've got a whole army ready to go (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know how you do everything, man. But like, I know in this podcast so far, I've gained a ton of respect for you. Coming up next on AEW Unrestricted, we're going to talk about how Mikey Ruckus became all elite. This is AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey here with the wonderful and the amazing Mikey Ruckus, the man behind all the music and a bunch of the AEW entrance themes. We've talked a lot about sort of background music, equipment so far, but we haven't really heard the story of how you came to AEW. So what was that like? Who was the first person that contacted you and how did those conversations start?
2: So I was always really big on networking. Uh, That's something I developed over the years. You know, I started doing commission music in the mixed martial arts industry in 2010. Transitioned to pro wrestling, the the independent pro wrestling in 2016 when I started seeing the boom uh, in the independent scene. Between 2016 and 20, early 2019, I had created over 250 entrance themes for independent workers in the U.S. and the U.K. So I had gotten really good at networking and just kind of feeling things out. And uh, I, at this time, I was actually running uh, a retail store full time. So I was in my store 60 hours a week, and then I would have a client roster that I would have to work on every single day when I got home. There, you know, For two years, I was working seven days a week. Uh, from the store and from my home and I was getting really close to burnout I almost walked away from all of it December of 2019 or December 2018 I had this kind of thing I was like you know maybe working in retail isn't so bad I got a good crew I love the public I love working with the people being part of a community and my wife was there and just kind of said like you will never have peace if you walk away from this like never she said you will never be able to sleep She's like, you remember why you did this. And you know, you did this to not only show your kids that they can dream big, but this is something that you've worked forever for. And you can't turn away now. So I slept on it and then I got back to work. And then literally three weeks later, I saw where Dustin had tweeted about Cody and the announcement of AEW. And immediately I just, I, I felt inside that this was mine. This was my opportunity. I started to network, couldn't lock down anybody. Like I didn't know I didn't know who I was involved. I was trying to get a hold of Cody. I was trying to get a hold of Brandy. My mom was actually doing a search for Cody's phone number. <laughs> My mom was like, I'm gonna find him for you. I'm gonna find him for you. I'm gonna find his number. So So I I had um I messaged a couple of people outside of the industry to see if there was a way that I can find a way back in, like through mutual acquaintances. And um, in the midst of all of this, I had previous clients that I had worked with over the, the, the last nine or 10 years start speaking out on my behalf. They started tweeting to Cody and Brandy, um, Mikey Ruckus is your guy. People from the World Series of Fighting, people from the UFC, uh, UFC fighters, people from NBC Sports that I had worked with, and it was just kind of like this groundswell. And uh, someone had given me the number to Matt Sells and said, text this guy, he knows who's, who's involved. So I text Matt Sells and then QT was the first person to reach out. And we had a conversation there. And then literally three days later, Brandy had emailed me and said, let's have a, let's have a conversation. So I'm in my store in the break room having a conference call with brandy and i believe it was mandy and a couple of maybe it was somebody from activist um so we had a good conversation and she said the one thing that stands out amongst others she's like because we've had people that have all over the world that have contacted us about this you had people that spoke on your behalf and she said and that really means something to us so i was really really humbled and thankful in in that moment so the, the back and forth started with, okay, uh, how much do you charge for one theme? How much do you charge for five? We actually need like 15 for double or nothing. So I just kind of threw it out there. I said, look, I can either do the 15 or I can work here forever. Like, bring me on as part of the team and let's do this. And I never thought that they would go for it. I was just like, what's the worst they could say is no. And right. that's when Chris Harrington called me and was like, what's life like for you right now? Like at 11 o'clock at night, he's like, is this a bad time? I was like, no, not at all. He's like, I want to know what your life is like right now. Cause I think we want to bring you on as part of the team. And, and I remember hanging up the phone and trying not to scream because it was 11 o'clock at night <laughs> and I'm out in my front yard and I'm like, this, this is it. This, this is what I've worked towards. So I go in, I go inside. I, I tell my wife that like, it's, it, this is it. Like we're, we're joining AEW and we didn't tell anybody. Um, the next day we went out and we had dinner and we just sat and we just kind of and it's it's really hard not to get emotional about it because there's so much there's so much that went into leading to this point and she and I just sat and by ourselves and we just kind of enjoyed that moment and uh, right after that it was lightning speed and it's been fast forward ever since then and it's been go 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 and it's it's It literally, and I'm not just saying this to kind of sound like it's giving lip service, but this has been an amazing experience thus far.
0: I mean, everyone says the same thing because it's true, right? Like we all work for a great dude in Tony Khan and uh, culture trickles from the top down. So yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, we're with you on that. And it's very apparent that the emotion helps drive you and helps drive you. You can feel the emotion in, in your music and the entrance music. What was the what was the first entrance music that you produced for aew what who was that for or was it just for a show that was nyla rose and
2: that was actually that theme was actually kind of like my audition theme okay and i i made that in 24 hours i literally i got the i got the email from qt and asked me to start on nyla's and i left work that day i was like i'm out of here i've got coverage i'm out and i went home and i immediately it was probably like four or five o'clock in the afternoon i immediately went to work and uh, I knew the style that she was looking for. I knew about her beats and her rhythm and and how she how she kind of makes her walk when she comes out. I had gone and researched some of her uh, her entrances on the indie scene. So I wanted to encapsulate that. And um, but I also wanted to show the team that I can produce and I can produce quickly. That's what I had always worked worked towards is is having a consistent workflow and never missing a deadline. So on top of having a theme that fits, you know, you want to be able to produce in, in a fair amount of time. So I did that. And, and then I didn't hear anything for like a week. And I was like, um, I just, uh, hi, um, how are we? Like, are we good? And, <laughs> and that's, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're fine. We're great. We're going to bring you on board. We're going to do this. We're going to do the ABCD. And, and that was that. But, yeah, I mean, uh, Nyla's was the first one. And uh, all of them are special to me. All of the themes that I've created are special to me. They're like your children, but that one was the very first, and that will always be the number one in my heart. For that,
0: do you have a favorite? Ah, see, if I say I
2: have a favorite, (laughs) if I say I have a favorite, then somebody's gonna hit me up and be like, What about mine? Mine's I thought mine was your favorite because that's happened,
0: (laughs) right? Right? So, how how about this? Like, you say, like, there's there's a special attachment to Nyla's theme. Is there any other that you would say you have a special attachment to? Maybe not like oh, the for most sure. special um, attachment.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so um, Jurassic Express was was another one uh, that was originally we we didn't even have a name for Jurassic Express yet. I just I had heard and seen through emails that they were looking at linking them up, and um, I had actually pitched to the team like, listen, th- when I see them in the crowd, when I I watched the crowd's reaction when they came out, I said, it's just pure joy. It's like adventurous. I said, I think they need something that kind of accents that. So they said, go to it. So that was, that was all me. That was all of my idea. And when I I sent it up, I remember Matt Jackson emailing back. He's like, this theme rules. (laughs) So I was like, Oh, there we go. So that was like the literally the first time I had actually pitched my own ideas on a project. So that was, that was something that's special to me. The butcher and the blade theme is special to me because outside of what you hear on TV, I wanted to create this movement of chaos. So there's a lot of different sections. It's super technical. It's super heavy. Uh, again, you know, I, I created that entire drum track uh, just with a, with a mouse click, clicking, clicking, and, and programming grids. Stings, of course, is up there. Uh, just because the that's that was my all-time. You know, that was my number one that I always wanted to create for. Uh, I was really happy with the way that turned out. And the Brody tribute, no one asked me to do that. That was something that I just felt moved to do. And it's always been kind of my thing ever since high school. And I didn't even realize it. You know, we had lost some friends of ours in high school. And the only way I knew to express myself was to play. And I remember uh, going on stage with another friend of mine, just a guitar and a bass. And we, we played a song and the entire auditorium was in tears and people were walking out because they couldn't handle it. But at the same time as I was moving them, it was helping me deal with the loss. So I really wanted to kind of go into the theme that I made for Brody, uh, the exalted one, and just take it to a completely different level and just add this element of emotion and just tapping into the heart and soul of, of how everybody felt about him. And I had only spoken to him a couple times, but it was easy to see why everybody had gravitated towards him and 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 the impact that he had. So, I wanted to you know produce something like that to help other people have closure. So that one is is up there as well.
1: We are talking with Mikey Ruckus, who is the composer, uh, director, producer of AEW music, and you also released an album, "Bring the Ruckus," recently. Talk about that.
2: So yeah, it's funny because I was actually offered a record deal back in 2015. And um, I turned it down, and we were we were kind of in a, a weird spot of desperation. My wife was really sick. Uh, we found out that she had a tumor in her spinal cord. She was bedridden for nine months straight. So she lost her job, and we were struggling. And I was offered this record deal, and it just didn't feel right. And I, I almost signed it out of desperation. And I had people telling me, look, you're on the wrong side of 40. You'll never get another deal if you don't sign this one. And I just, I didn't feel comfortable with it. So I, I turned it down. And uh, a few years later, like a year after we, you know, I signed with AEW, here comes another record deal. And this one was, this one was right. I felt like the time was right. I felt like I could devote uh, the attention to it. It wasn't out of desperation. Um, so we went with it and uh, I teamed up with Zardonic, who is a drum and metal based DJ. Uh, out of Germany, Germany, he's a Venezuelan DJ that lives in Germany, if that makes Mm. any sense. And he's super over in Russia. So I don't, (laughs) (laughs) that's, that's a good one for you. But uh, he and I had worked together before we, we uh, produced the theme song for world series of fighting uh, on NBC sports back in 2016. Um, We actually did the revolution theme for uh, revolution uh, 2020 And uh, I wanted him to work with me and kind of produce the sound that I was looking for, which was a throwback to the new metal of the early 2000s. Just kind of balls to the wall, high impact uh, from beginning to end. There was no let up. There was variations of rhythms and riffs, but it was all hard hitting. And bringing that type of energy is always something that's been uh, my forte. Like when I step on stage, when I'm in the booth or wherever I'm at, it's it's 100% go. And I love to to reproduce that energy and see how it makes people move. So it's all about, a, a, you know, summoning those emotions of fury and energy and high impact and just that release. And uh, that's that's
0: the the entire album. Man, I love that AEW is just a, very encouraging of everyone doing uh, extra projects that allow them to be creative and bring them joy and all those things. And do you, do you do yourself as well. Uh, We're talking with Mikey Ruckus on AEW Unrestricted. Coming up, lots and lots of fan questions.
1: This is AEW Unrestricted. Mikey Ruckus is our AEW music guru, producer, director, composer. uh, Very famous with the boys and the girls of AEW. And also very famous with our, our talent. And very famous with the fans as well. All right, here we go. Here is from. <laughs> I love these names. I'm gonna get this, one, gonna get this one out of the way from at box Woman on Twitter. <laughs> the hell? Have you ever considered? <laughs> have you ever considered using an accordion in one of your
2: tracks? <laughs> I haven't, but i now. I have to. Like, <laughs> you know, it's the way Saul said in Pineapple Express: the monkey's out of the bottle. So now
0: we got to get it done.
1: <laughs> okay. All right, we let that one out of the bottle, and it's up
0: to you, Aubrey. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Challenge, challenge accepted for Mikey Ruckus. Let's use an accordion. Uh, Mike Everest seven on Twitter. What thrash tracks have inspired you for the amazing themes for wrestlers like War Horse and Thunder Rosa? And what is your favorite thrash track of all time?
2: All right, so I'll start with my favorite thrash track of all time is absolutely Holy Wars by Megadeth. Um, I heard that when I was maybe fifteen years old. And I was absolutely blown away. I was blown away by Marty Friedman's lead style. I ended up studying all of his solo stuff after that for the next five or six years. Uh, but yeah, the Holy Wars, The Punishment Due from Megadeth is my overall number one thrash track. Uh, for Wardlow, was it War? I'm sorry, Warhorse. 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 Yeah, Warhorse had always gone out to um, uh, a Metallica tune, The Four Horsemen in the indies. And when I was talking with him, it's like, you know, I want to do something with you that replicates not only the, the sound, but the time period. So there's very specific nuances. When you listen to Metallica's Kill 'Em all album, and, you know, it sounds like it's on tape. There's a, there's a very specific mix to that thrash style. So um, when it came to creating his song, it was a combination of a few, few songs on that album. So it was a combination of whiplash motor breath, Four Horsemen. So I kind of put it all into one, did my best James Hetfield impersonation on the vocals and uh, my best Kirk Hammett solo impersonation. And uh, I just went with it and uh, it felt good. It felt right. And, you know, I sent it to him and his response back was, Oh my God. <laughs> so, and I remember I was at TV that week and Cody walks into the office or walks into the the room and he's like, Mikey, he said, you do War Horse's track? I said, yes, sir, I did. And he just kind of gave this, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he kind of gave that. <laughs> very, very low key. He's like, Jesus Christ. And I was like, yeah, man, that's this how we do it. So um, that was a good one. And uh, what was the other one? Um, Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa. So yeah, Thunder Rosa, I went more along the lines of Sepultura. Uh, Sepultura had an album out called Roots. Uh, in the late 90s and it literally that album the influence with that album changed my life Uh, there was a lot of rhythms and it was Brazilian rhythms but there's something about Latin rhythms over uh, heavy metal that really works and I had listened to some of her older themes and I just wanted to kind of elevate that and and project that energy and you can see where she's kind of falling into it now you just you feel it there's there's a feeling of raw energy and like when you hear that first like the whole place comes unglued and and it just it's it's that perfect setting so yeah sepultura and the track rata mahata was like the number one uh influence for that one all
1: right as, as a follow-up before we go back to the fan question talk about the pinnacle music uh as it relates to tolly and the and the four horsemen
2: so yeah like that's that's a really interesting theme and uh i i, I was honored for the opportunity to uh to create that because again you know we're we're reviving history right max had actually hit me up and said hey i need you to work with me on a theme that's eerily similar to the horseman so i asked him i was like is this the horseman like is this it he's like it's pretty close i said is the name is the so i'm asking him like is the faction going to be called the horseman do you want like horses in the beginning like try he's like no 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 He said, it's going to be an iteration of it. He said, but I really love the way the guitars fit and the way they sit in the mix and and uh, that whole entire, that feel and that style. So I started to put it together immediately. And um, I sent him a mix a couple of days later and he was like, dude, I love this. So we had a couple of small tweaks here and there and it's it's liter- it was literally that fast. So it's been in the can for quite a while and just kind of sitting and waiting for it to debut. So um,
1: very yeah. Cool. yeah, I love it. This is from am Brinson on Twitter. What do you do, Mikey, with all the themes that don't make it to to the talent? Like, is there a vault being built up for some later release? I know you, you did something for Shaq, right, that didn't make it?
2: There's no extra tracks. That was a very – that was an odd situation because that changed literally like maybe 10 minutes before showtime. Mm. But typically, I spend so much time outside of recording for what we're doing – working and studying on the engineering side. So I don't have a lot of extra time just to create extra themes. It's all case by case basis. So if they end up not getting used, or if I have a, a, a sample that doesn't air, I usually finish it up and it's going towards the AEW creator wrestler themes for the console game. That's kind of been my system and it hasn't, it's not many. Um, so I've had to actually put away, I have had to set time aside to do that, to create additional themes. But I mean, there's certain, there's certain ones. I think there's only a couple like um, Christian Cage. When Christian came in, the week that Christian came in was like right after Paul White came in. And so Paul wanted something along the lines of Lenny Kravitz and Christian wanted something that mirrored what he had when he was in TNA. So I started making these different ideas and putting them together and sending them out. And that kind of danced around, you know, like with the Lenny Kravitz tune, you want the certain type of guitar tone. You want the certain type of lyrical uh, content, things like that. And um, Paul loved it. And Cody and Tony said, well, let's try something different. And then Tony said, let's try something different. So I made like four or five different iterations. And Paul said he loved all of them. At one point, he actually sent one to Lenny. He's like, dude, I think this shot's fire. He's giving you a run for your money. I was like, dude, you don't you did not do that to like
0: <laughs>
2: And I, he was like, who knows, man? Maybe you guys can jam one day. I was like, please make that happen. Wow. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we didn't really settle on anything because we had a bunch of different ideas. Uh, so we kind of held off on that. Uh, we're probably going to pick that up again in, in, you know, in a couple months when the time is right. And then with Christian's theme, I created one that was kind of mimicking but it was a completely different song from his TNA theme and then I did another one then I did another one so it was enough to create like a a whole album of b-sides or they all go on you know the 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 video game and then at the very end we settled on a note-for-note cover of his TNA theme which is a cover of Evanescence uh, My Last Breath so you know those are the only real times that I can think of where a track wasn't used Um, But other than that, it's all been case by case and, uh, you know, I go with it and, you know, it's all about decision making and making sure that we're as close to being finished the first time they hear it. Uh, So they kind of get an understanding of the story that I'm trying to help them tell. And we just go with it. So not many, not many in a vault, maybe four or five.
0: Damn. John J. Freeze on Twitter. Do you make songs in the shower about normal life, like buying groceries or the shampoo running out? (laughs) No.
2: No, I could have made a bunch of I could have made a bunch of home life songs back in the day when all like all my kids are grown and out of the house now. I've got one, he's twenty one, and he's he's actually saving money up to buy his own house, but they're like I had actually thought about putting out a dad album with all the tracks <laughs> like track number one, turn your fucking Xbox off. Like <laughs> <laughs> Track number two, no more V Bucks on Fortnite, you know.
0: That yeah, kind of right. stuff.
2: Like oh, um, track number three, WTF. Like, you know, yeah. life during teen years was like that a lot. And when you have as many as we had and they all brought a friend over, it was a party. Like you could leave to go put gas in your car and come back and your house be packed with people. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? Like everybody out, just get out. So I, I very quickly became that old man, get off my lawn type. <laughs> so, yeah, but um, no, real life stuff. No.
1: Talking about that kind of reminds me of the of the, uh, the movie back in the nineties, High Fidelity, when they yeah. used to make uh, cassettes based on their life. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm, go- I'm I'm going to uh, put all these songs on a cassette for you to listen to them and, and put you in this type of mood, or this is about my life today and what happened to me today and things like that. That's it. it just shows you how music just brings out emotion in us and brings out feeling. and and how important you are to what we do. Let's go to another question here. Let's see. Music Man 613 on Twitter. The Jericho MJF mashup was Chef's Kiss. Any fun stories about the genesis of the idea for that mashup?
2: So, yeah. So Jericho and I have this thing where he'll just kind of text me randomly and we'll start talking about different music ideas. And it was a Saturday night, probably close to midnight. My wife and I are sitting in bed. She's watching TV and and playing a game on her phone, and and I'm uh I'm on my laptop, and I don't I don't remember what I was doing. I was doing some I was probably working on cue sheets or something like that. And I get a text from Jericho that says, "Hey, you think you can do a mashup of Max's theme and Judas?" So I texted him back. I said, "You goddamn right, we can, Chris Jericho." <laughs> so. so he he texts back, kind of laughing and everything, and I did a voice text. And I I sent the voice text, and he was actually sending the voice text to me at the same time. So we both kind of sent it. And my wife looked at me, and she was like, I hate you, dude. So when he sends it back to me, and I'm playing it back, he was like, la, I was like, oh. I wonder if he's had anything to drink this evening, because that's what it kind of sounded like. And she was mm-hmm. like, go play with your friends. Go play with your yeah. friends. So I I immediately went upstairs and, uh, and started working on it, like right off the bat. So I put it together that night. I didn't even go
0: to sleep that night. So it was pretty funny. Wow. Great story. <laughs> All right. Vince dies on Twitter. Which three producers would you say influenced you the most? Not necessarily your favorites, but the most influential into how you do what you do.
1: Vince dies. Change your Twitter handle, Whoa. dude. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
2: the most, the most influential producers, it's really tough to say. Um, when you think of all of the, the professional wrestlers that have come through American pro wrestling in the last 20 years... It's literally thousands upon thousands. And when you look at people that have been in the position that I'm in right now, there's only a handful. Uh, you got J- Jimmy Hart. You got Jim Johnston. Uh, you got Dale Oliver. Uh, you've got a couple of others, but it's, it hasn't been many. And a lot a lot of their production has always been behind the curtain. Like you don't know, unless you worked alongside with them, you don't know their workflow. You don't know um, their styles. You don't know their production what their templates are, those types of things. So in that aspect, that road in itself can be a very lonely road uh, because there's really not a whole lot of people you can go to and ask about this. Any producer that makes music outside of weekly television and pro wrestling themes, they don't understand what this encapsulates. They don't understand what we face in today's market in terms of television presentation. Uh, So I have to kind of rely on... Just studying and and looking up random videos on engineering. I leave the production and the the result stuff on my. I just kind of fly by fly by the seat of my pants and then lean on the AEW executive team to tell me what they think needs to be changed or how it needs to be has to be has to be done. I've developed this workflow on my own, just over the years. So I mean, in in that aspect, it's really tough to say who was who was the biggest influence. Because there's really, you can't really look at, I mean, if you want to look at Jim Johnston, he was, of course, he's the greatest of all time. And he's the one that really set the standard when nobody else was doing it for such a long time. But other than that, it's like, you just try to do the best you can. And and this is an interesting situation because you have some engineers and producers that only work in one genre. You have a hip hop producer and they, all they know is hip hop, pop, and R&B. Then you have metal producers that all they know is heavy metal and rock music. And the intricacies of how these songs are produced, the frequencies that they're supposed to sit at, all of these different technical aspects. It's like learning various languages all at the same time, all in front of the public and course correcting in real time. So it's an ever, ever growing and ever learning process.
1: Well, Mikey, uh, we are very fortunate to have you on board with us. I can tell you that. And we appreciate your time here this week on uh, Unrestricted.
2: It's an honor to be on. It's an honor to be a part of this company. Um, I've I've made some really good friends uh, since being here. And uh, I was just at TV a couple of weeks ago and noticing the camaraderie and noticing how people have, have a flow now. I can remember being there about a year prior and people were still trying to figure out what they needed to do. The, and there was a lot of downtime and things like that but now it's like you see it's one unit and everybody's moving and everybody's busy and everybody's about the business and being the best that they can be and helping each other be better and i'm absolutely honored and and happy to be a part of something like that
0: all right you can't say it any better man thank you for listening to aew unrestricted tony and aubrey here new episodes every thursday morning be sure to like subscribe rate us leave a review. You can also watch the YouTube version of the show. New episodes come out on Mondays. Just search for AEW Unrestricted. And
1: you can follow Mikey Ruckus on Twitter at BringTheRuckus and on Instagram at Mikey underscore Ruckus. That's R-U-K-U-S on Instagram. And don't forget Dynamite every Wednesday, 8, 7 Central, only on TNT. My name is Tony
0: Schiavone. My name is Aubrey Edwards.
1: It is. Thank you for being with us. And Mikey, thank you again. Thank you. Here on AEW Unrestricted. Boom.